Uh, Genesis 28, 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. I want to speak to you today on that word, surely. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we need you now. God, how dare I stand before these people, Lord, and deliver my words in my strength, but somehow, Lord, through the miracle of preaching, if I can deliver your word in your strength, you can work a miracle in our hearts and lives today, and that's what we're asking you for in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. Some things we learn, and we can't remember where we learn them, learned them because it was so long ago. Somewhere in high school or in business, I learned the power of loaded words. I learned to look for them in political speech. I learned to look for them in advertisements. Sometimes those words are images, but they are those things that carry with them weight. If you just say the word mom, doesn't that just, isn't there just something about the word mom that moves you? Or if you say the word America or patriotism, you can even say the word love or the word peace. All of those are loaded words. You know when you use those words that they're going to elicit some emotions. Sometimes some of those words elicit different emotions in different people because they've had different experiences. But they are provocative words. They provoke someone to react. I had an acquaintance of mine that wrote a, a whole book on a simple word, nevertheless. It's a good book. I want to speak to you today about one word that I think is a, a provocative, an evocative mo, a word. I think it's a powerful word. I think it's a loaded word. It is the word surely. Now, in Noah Webster's dictionary, he defines sure, uh, surely as certainly, infallibly, undoubtedly. In fact, Noah Webster used this. He talked about God. He said, he that created something out of nothing surely can raise great things out of small. He also defined it as firmly or without danger of falling. And for this, old Mr. Webster quoted Proverbs chapter 10, he that walketh uprightly walketh surely. So when we approach the word surely, we're talking about these two ideas of certainly, infallibly, undoubtedly, or also firmly or without danger of falling. It is something that is secure. The Bible talks about that Jesus, in the Old Testament, it tells us that Jesus is a nail in a sure place. And what that actually meant is the way they would build their houses is because uh, they, you know, they didn't have shelves and that kind of thing for utensils and had very few utensils. And so as they were building their houses out of out of mud, they would build into the wall 
a hook to hang like their, their pots on, their pans on, their cooking utensils on. But it was built into the wall so that it was sure, it was secure. There was no danger of it falling. And I want you to know that the God that created heaven and earth and created you and me from the beginning built into his structure, into creation. He built in the coming of Messiah, the Savior of the world, and that Jesus is a nail in a sure place. The New Testament echoes this sentiment, and I quoted it just a while ago, that the hope that we have in the Lord is an anchor that is both steadfast and sure, surely. Leah used that word in Genesis 29, 32. You remember Leah was, uh, was Jacob's first wife and then he married her sister, uh, Rachel, and Rachel was loved and Leah was hated and Leah sought the Lord and after she uh, conceived of her husband and bare the first son, Reuben, she named him Reuben because she said the, it means to see the Lord saw and she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Can you say that there have been times in your life, in your circumstances, in your situations, maybe it was a, a job and you had had all that you could take and you'd say, Lord, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What if I lose this job? I just can't take it any longer. And somewhere out of the mail or a phone call, an opportunity comes that you didn't even know about and you say, well, surely the Lord was in that. Surely the Lord moved on that heart. It, this word was almost a favorite thought of the psalmist in Psalm 32 and one. And I'm, I'm gonna read you a lot of scripture today, but I want you to get the context of it. Psalm 32 and one, it says it's a Psalm of David. It's a mashkil and mashkil means that it is an instructive Psalm. It means it's a song that was meant to teach us something. And so David's trying to teach something here. He said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom to the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, when I was silent about my sin, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. It got down, the ache, the guilt, the conviction got down in my bones. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto you, and my iniquity have I not hid. And I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely, in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. He said, when I cried out to you for the forgiveness of sins, then I was able to say, surely the Lord will protect me. He'll keep me from the flood. He'll be my hiding place and my stay. He will preserve me in the time of trouble. Asaph joined in. It is thought that perhaps Asaph was simply the, the scribe of the words of David. But in Psalm 77, he said this, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Has anybody ever sought the Lord when you were in trouble? 
Somebody, I heard on the radio, somebody talking the other day, and they, uh, they said, how come the church doesn't have more uh, teaching on a big word here, sukiology? You know what sukiology is? The study of prayer. So why does it have more uh, of, a, of a theology of prayer? And the response was this, because historically God's people just haven't prayed that much. Historically, it's always taken trouble for God's people to pray. Historically, it's always taken problems for God's people to pray. Historically, it's always been when their back was up against the wall that God's people have prayed. Can I ask you, have you been praying more the last six or seven months than you did before? Then it's working, isn't it? He said, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest my eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I can't go to sleep. I don't know what to say. I have considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. And then I called to remembrance. I remember what the Lord did for me the last time I got in this circumstance. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart I, and my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years at the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also on all thy work and talk of thy doings. The psalmist said, whenever trouble came, when I was surrounded by problems, when I was aching day and night, when I couldn't sleep and I didn't know what to say, whenever troubles were all around, and I even began to question whether God knew or whether God cared or whether he had run out of mercy, then I remembered the days of old and that brought some security, that brought some certainty, that brought some infallibility, that brought some undoubtedness into my life that I knew I would walk surely and I would not fall for I remembered what God had done for me and was persuaded he will do it again. Give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. The sons of Korah were given a song. Uh, Psalm 85, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven thine iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of our anger, of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. In other words, he said, Lord, we know what you've done for us before. But here we go again. Here we're in a pickle again. We're living in a nation, Lord, that seems to have forgotten and you seem to be angry with us. Does that feel like where we're living right now? I'm gonna tell you what, I like the person that said, I wish that I had listened to my mama 
when she threatened to knock me in the next year. 2020 has been a year that if it could go wrong, it was going to go wrong. Somewhere Murphy is laughing at the fulfillment of his law. That if it can go wrong, it will. And that's the way the psalmist felt. But he said, Lord, have you, and have you prayed this way? Lord, won't you just touch us one more time? Lord, I know we don't deserve it, but won't you revive us one more time? Lord, won't you move in America one more time? Won't you move in our church one more time? Will thou not revive us again that we'll rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what the God the Lord will speak, for I will, he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not again turn to folly. Now listen, <laughs> when you pray that way, when you pray that way, you don't have to cross your fingers. Anybody ever, ever, anybody ever cross all of them? I don't know if it helps Georgia win, but it feels good. Anybody ever, you know, just, you just hunker down on it and just wish with everything that's within you? You don't have to do that when you pray the way this psalmist was praying. When you pray, oh God, won't, won't you revive us one more time? Won't you let us hear your voice one more time? I'm gonna tell you there's some things in life that are certain. Some things in life that are infallible. Some things that are life that are undoubtable. There are things in life that are without fear of falling. And when you seek God, here's the answer, verse nine. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that the glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth. Righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. You may think that there's no hope for America. You may think there's no hope for the church. You may feel there's no hope for your family. You may feel like that your own life is without hope. But I'm going to tell you, it's not as long as there's breath that there's hope. It's as long as there's a God on the throne of heaven, there's still hope. Because he's the God that can bring breath back into a dead body. He's the God of resurrection. And when you say, Lord, revive us again, he says, surely I will obey thy word and give you revival. Amen. This next psalm they think was even written by Moses and later recorded in the Psalms. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. You know what a pestilence is? COVID. <laughs> he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust and his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid 
of the terror by night, nor the hour arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. How do you know that, preacher? Surely. Surely the Lord is near those who he has saved. And then there's my favorite, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Now based on what I've just told you, based on everything that comes before, based on the care that the shepherd has given, the psalmist was able to conclude, surely, praise God, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One great preacher said this, I shall not want for anything in this life I shall not want, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Surely I shall not want for rest, for he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Surely I shall not want for refreshment, for he leadeth me beside still waters. Surely I shall not want uh, for forgiveness, for he restores my soul. Surely I shall not want for companionship, for yea, though I walk for the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Surely I shall not want for comfort, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely I shall not want for sustenance, for thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Surely I shall not want for joy, for thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely I shall not want for anything in this life, for thy goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and surely I shall not want for anything in the life to come, for I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This mindset, this sure, certain mindset brings with it sweet contentment. David's psalms are recorded for us. This particular psalm is in a section that's been entitled Songs of Confidence. Psalm 131, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. There's some things going on I don't understand. There's some things happening I don't have an answer for. There's some things that if I think about and worry about and wrestle with, I'm tossing and turning in the middle of the night. David said, there's some things I leave up to you. They're too big for me. I can't figure them out. 
But then he said, surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. He said, like a baby at his mama's breast is contented. A crying baby crying for sustenance and mama takes him in her arms. That's the way I'm gonna rest in you. That's how sure, that's how secure I am in your supply. I'm not gonna worry about the things that are too big for me, too hard for me, too great for me. I'm gonna rest in the arms pressed against the chest of the Lord. My dad bought me a book uh, about 12 years ago and gave it to me. I think it might have been for my birthday. And it's a great book. It's a book by uh, one of my favorite uh, preachers that's gone on to be with the Lord. But what I want to share is what my dad wrote in the couple of pages as he signed a little dedication of the gift to me. Here's what my dad wrote. Surely the one who spoke the world into existence has all power to help us. Surely the one who flung the stars into space and named every one of them knows where you are. Surely the one that changed Abram to Abraham and caused him to look for a city whose builder and maker is God will guide you. Surely the one who sent manna from heaven and appeared in the cloud and fire for Israel will sustain you. Surely the one that guided the stone into Goliath's head will kill your giants. Surely the one who moved upon David to write, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all, will deliver you. Surely the one who knew you in your mother's womb knows and cares for you now. Surely the only begotten Son of God who shed his blood and died for you is making intercession for you at the throne. Surely the resurrected Lord with all power can give you a double dose of that power and abundant life. Surely the one who knows all about your storms will come walking on the water to you. Surely as the great I am, he has, he can, and he will be your present help in time of trouble. In our text, Jacob had left Mom and dad, he was fleeing from Esau who wanted to kill him. His mom and dad sent him to find a wife back with their kinsmen. He came to a city that was at that time, a place at that time called Luz, that he would rename Bethel later, House of God. He didn't have any place to sleep, so he took one of the stones and made it his pillow. And as he laid there in fretful sleep, his head on a stone, he dreamed that the heavens were open and that there was a golden ladder into heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up into heaven and then coming back down to earth again, ascending and descending. And that's impressive, but what was really impressive was who was at the top of the ladder. He saw that past the first rung up there the Lord was standing at the top of the ladder. And the Lord said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. 
And this land that you're lying on, I'm going to give it to you and to your seed. Your seed's going to be as the dust of the earth. And you'll spread out north and south and east and west. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And behold, I am with you. And I'll keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you again to this land for I will not leave you until I've fulfilled everything that I have told you. And verse 16 of chapter 28 says, Jacob woke up and looked around and said, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. I don't know what place that you find yourself in. I don't know what wilderness you're camping out in. I don't know what stone is your pillow. But I do know that there's a God that's there. Surely, even if you don't know it. Jimmy, Crystal's dad, my father-in-law, has had a tough time. He's been uh, in rehab and uh, he's had a, a tough time with that. He's, he's, he really is an exceptional man. But exceptional people have difficulty when people that they don't consider exceptional are trying to tell him what to do. And combined with that, the tumor that's on his brain no doubt affected him. I, I, I told my mother-in-law, it's kind of like in NASCAR, they put governors on cars so that they don't, won't go too fast. And I said he had this governor that kind of, you know, put a space between what he thought and what he said, and that governor has been removed. And he's had a difficult time, as Crystal's mom has. A couple of things happened the other night. Crystal's mother called us giddy with excitement and joy. Didn't know what to do with herself. Let me tell you what the Lord did. First thing is the doctor called my mother-in-law Darlene's cell phone and didn't get her and called back. Now, I don't know how your doctor works, but most doctors, especially high-profile doctors, don't take the time to do that. She was able to put him on speakerphone and he was able to explain to her and Jim in language Jim could understand and Jim was able to process just what they were doing while they were doing it and what they were facing. Then some of those rehab technicians came in the room and one of those said, I didn't want to do this last night because he was, I could tell he wasn't in the mood and he needed his rest. 
He said, but I like to sing to my patients when they'll let me. And Darlene said, with a voice like an angel, that tech began to sing, why should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? And why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And Darlene says that the presence of the Lord filled that room. And Jimmy called her over and took her hand and prayed. He's a man of faith, a man of great faith. But he had been asking, Lord, why? I don't understand, Lord, when I was going through leukemia a few months back, you told me you were going to heal me, and I got over that. Now I've got this. I don't understand why I'm having to go through this. If you're through with me, why don't you just take me home? I don't understand. And he prayed such a beautiful prayer. That one of those things that he said is, Lord, I want to fight. I want to live for my children. I want to live for my grandchildren. And I want to live to fulfill the things that you have called me to do. I'm going to tell you in those times that you feel like God is not within a million miles of your vicinity, surely the Lord is there even when you don't know it. Lanny Wolf, some of you will remember from years ago. Lanny Wolf was, he and his trio were singing at a church dedication many years ago. He said the place smelled like new paint. He said the mayor was there. It was big doings as they were dedicating that church. And as they were up dedicating the church and he was waiting on his turn for he and his group to go up, a phrase came into his mind and in his mind a melody started to form. And his group had never heard it and the musicians had never heard it. So when he got up to sing, he taught them as he taught the congregation a new song. You may have heard it. It said, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Doesn't matter whether the mayor's here or not. I can feel his body power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings and I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place.